continuing to talk about how to be peacemakers. And we're talking about how we should work for peace in marriage. If we really will seek peace in our marriage, it will make a great deal of difference. A lack of peace in the home is one of the chronic problems. That children growing up with there's constant bickering and fussing and fighting usually are very confused and do not see what a real Christian home can be like. But where there should be love and caring, there's warfare, condemnation, and conflict. Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote a long time ago, if two people are to live together at the time of the wedding, they must realize that the man and the woman are two planets which have been going around the sun at different speeds and in different orbits. Now they must travel in the same orbit at the same speed, for if they do not pursue the same path, and if they continue to go at different speeds and at different orbits, sooner or later there will be a planetary crash. How can such crashes be avoided in our marriage? Well, we must pursue the things that make for peace. And those things are honesty, openness, caring for each other, loving in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we can begin to see God working in our relationship with our mate. You see, if all we want to do is change our, our husband or our wife, we will never ever succeed because first we ourselves must change we must start with us don't start with somebody else don't start with them start with you and and as you start with you then it's amazing ask god to change you and if god begins to change you you'll be amazed how much it affects the person that you really want to see change because None of us are perfect, and all of us have things that need to be changed about us. But we also need to work for church peace. We need to be constantly seeking to help our church to have peace by not gossiping, by not saying critical words about each other, by not being uh, critical of people, the pastor, others. It's our responsibility to build unity in the fellowship, not to sow seeds of discord and destruction. If we're not peacemakers, then we're troublemakers. There's just no, that's just the way it is. You're one or the other. And if we're troublemakers consistently, probably not a real child of God. Peacemakers are sometimes troublemakers to bring peace, but it's the right kind of troublemakers. The troublemakers who make trouble for the sake of trouble aren't like Christ. If our character is such that we spread rumors and gossip about others, if we're constantly fomenting discontent, and if we're enjoying the report of trouble and scandal, and if we're overly critical, always fault-finding, unwilling to be involved in peacemaking, these negative qualities characterize our lives, and there's a good chance we're not a believer. We've never really met Christ. Notice I did not say if we fall into these things or struggle to control them occasionally, but rather if these elements are a part of our con continued constant character if this is what we are like then we need to seek the face of God with all our hearts because we're probably not truly born again first Peter 3 10 says let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his, his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile and let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it if you really want to love life if you really want to see good days then Refrain your tongue from evil and seek peace. How then can we have this peace? Well, we can have it only as an experience in our lives, as all these beatitudes that he talks about in Matthew. And we come to poverty of spirit 
and we mourn over our sins and receive forgiveness. We experience the gentleness and humility that comes from Christ, and we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And as we seek the Lord in that way, God will begin to work in us in an amazing way to help us become the person that he wants us to be. That's how we become a peacemaker. Francis of Assisi wrote years ago his prayer, his desire, his plea for God to work in his life. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is joy, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. That should be our prayer on a daily basis. Lord, I want to be an instrument of your peace. Well, we're continuing to talk about now the fruit of the Spirit, what God's Spirit produces in the life of the believer who really knows him. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Some translate it forbearance. We have been talking about other kinds of peace, but maybe this is something that follows after we have this peace. We begin to exhibit, as God's Spirit controls our lives, patience. And that is what really makes a difference. And psychology can diagnose our behaviors. They can tell us what we're doing wrong, but they can't really enable us to have these quality characters in our lives that we need that make a difference that God wants to show forth. And now this patience that I'm talking about is the very attitude and action that God has. God's always been characterized by patience. And it's his nature, and we see it in him all through the Scripture. We see him in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. His patience with our world that he has created is amazing. We all have sinned and marred and scarred ourselves and marred and scarred his beautiful world that he gave us. How does God put up with it? A business executive who is accustomed to having his orders carried out on the spot said, if I was God and I, I, would, I would show people who, I, who was boss, yet God is so patient. That's, that's probably what we would do. Martin Luther said, if I were God and the world had treated me as it had treated him, I would have kicked the wretched thing to pieces a long time ago. But you see, God is not like us. He is patience. The Bible says he is long-suffering or patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 120 years God waited, calling men to repentance before he sent the flood. God worked in mysterious and wondrous ways to get people to come to know his son. Jesus Christ, and God says that he constantly seeks us, and, and he, he's like uh, someone said, the hound of heaven who constantly follows us and senses us and recognizes us and comes after us, and he's amazingly not only patient with the world, he's amazingly patient with each of us, and not willing that we should perish, but that we should come to repentance. He doesn't want us to continue in our rebellion and rejection and refusal. And he's patient even with the believers. He's disappointed that many of us haven't grown very much, but he's still patient with us. Now this patience of Christ 
can be the attitude of our lives too. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. I hope you'll be with me. And as we study this together, God bless you. Have a great day.